Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us in our last episode of the Exit Your Way Roundtable live for 2020. I can't believe it. Uh, Today with me, I've got AJ Wilcox. Welcome, AJ. Damon, excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, man, I'm just I'm just feel lucky to have you here because we are going to have some fun today. We're going to talk a lot about LinkedIn advertising. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the one subject so, I'm authoritative on in my yeah, entire yeah. world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll go through that. We'll go through your history. I mean, because man, I was looking through it, and we've talked before, and you got a hell of a background here, and uh, it's good stuff. Oh, we got Robert Murray showing up from Alaska now. Robert, <laughs> Robert is like, if you get on his profile and look, he put up a a, a, a video of him going out to cut wood. Now, this is serious, like four-wheeling to go back into the forest to find the wood and cut it up and bring it back. He's uh, awesome stuff. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) Now, we got Nick Dorsey showing up. Oh, no. Yep. Nick Dorsey showing up uh, out of Arizona. We're outside in Scottsdale. He's uh, just starting to do some – well, he was down there with with one company, and now he's with the other in the facility. So, it's awesome to see you, Nick. Um, So, good. Well, AJ. Tell me a little bit about your background, because, man, you got a, a really a pedigree of, of marketing and then where you ended up today. But let's start kind of back in the beginning and talk about, you know, what you went to BYU for marketing. Well, I mean, because that kind of starts from there. But what really caught your eye with marketing and, you know, why did you take the path? Well, it's funny. In high school, I, I took a psychology class. It was like an, an, an AP psychology. And I was like yes, this is what I want to do. Like, I, I love psychology. I want to be a counselor or a therapist. Um, and then by the time I got to BYU, I, I had kind of decided, Ooh, you know, I, that one, I don't think I like psychology anymore. I know I want to do something with business. So I went and looked at the business school at BYU and there were a whole bunch of different emphases you could choose. And I didn't know which yeah. one to go with, but I saw marketing and went, Oh, I don't quite know what marketing is, but um, I remember when I was young, I would watch Star Trek episodes with my dad. Yeah. And when it got to the commercials, because he's a big Trekkie, when it got to the commercials, um, he would ask me questions like, "Hey, who do you think that that commercials for? And why do you think they, why do you think they chose that kind of message?" And you know, he's a banker. He he's worked in banking yeah. his whole life. Like no marketing yeah. in there at all. But I remember that just being really fun to think about. So when yeah. I saw marketing, I went okay, I can always change my major later. Like I'll declare marketing. And sure enough, the very first marketing class I took, I was hooked because uh, I love cars. I love exotic cars. And the professor who was teaching like the marketing 101, uh, he's, he worked all of his career in automotive and was using examples of Audi and BMW. And uh, yeah. it just, it hit me. I absolutely just decided right then I was going to be a marketer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a lot of people look at it and they go glamorous. You know, they've watched, uh, what was that? That one, there used to be a show. I can't even remember what it was, but the guy. Oh, Mad Men? 
Madman. Oh yeah, there you go. I mean, that was that was quite a quite a quite a series. But you know, people think it's it's uh, a lot of glamour, but in the end, it's a lot of hard work. It is the, the I, if I could go back and do it again, I, I would have studied something like information systems because uh, I mean, it, it's really hard to learn the tech stuff like on your own so much easier when you have a professor helping you out. But marketing marketing is free to learn. I mean, there's there's a ton to learn and understand, but boy, all the information's out there free. It's really easy to learn. So I wish I would have like learned marketing on my own, but I, I am glad I got my degree in it. That's cool. That's cool. And you're right. I mean, because anymore, marketing is is as much about a you got to know who you're marketing to and all that. That was the same. I mean, I think that's that's stayed relatively similar other than the, the way that people want to be sold to now. But the, the systems and the technology behind it are so complex when you talk about these things that people are using with multiple stages of 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 uh, messaging that's going out and and uh, just down to the analytics, this whole thing, it's pretty crazy. Oh yeah, the the data that comes from marketing is way more valuable than like, I mean, the marketing itself. It's yes. it, it, it's a clear uh, path to, uh, I, I'll say like slaying it as a company. If yeah. you understand who your audience is and better how to reach them, that's what the data tells you. And you just can't go wrong if you know the data. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's right. That's right. And and I think that's where a lot of old school people like myself, you know, when we, you know, shit. Let's just be honest. 20, 20 years ago, when we were selling, it was a different game. It was talking about getting in front of people. You had to actually dial the phone, go meet with them, and do what they're doing. Now, this is it's flipped one hundred and eighty degrees before two twenty twenty, and then COVID hit. And then it just launches ahead another 10 years in, in 10 months, 12 months, whatever the heck you want to call it. And, and now we're like, we're light years ahead where we were 12 months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. I, the, the tactics, the systems, the platforms, they are changing at a lightning pace. So you, uh, if you call yourself a marketer, you got to be caught up. But yeah. it's, it's interesting. The principles of marketing have not changed in thousands of years. No. And like... You learn those and you're good. You can figure out a system. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So let's take us back through your, your history a little bit. You worked for some some pretty well-known companies throughout your, your career there in, in Salt Lake City. Yeah. They, uh, my beginning was I, I've always been a really technical person. I've loved computers. And so in college, I had a job as like second level networking and, and, um, and server support. And yeah. So I was essentially like a like a tech tech support guy, but I loved it and I was making more money than anyone else on campus. It was like it was great. And I knew I was studying marketing. I was going to graduate yeah. in 2 years and I had to go find a job in marketing, but me with my, you know, limited understanding of the world, I said, who in the world is going to hire me for a marketing job if the only thing I've ever done is tech? Yeah. And it seems funny now, but back then like I, I was really worried. And in one of my marketing classes, we had a guest lecturer come in who came in and talked about search engine optimization. And oh. as he was talking, I went, this is what I want to do. This is marketing plus technology. Like, so I, I went up after class and I begged this poor man for an internship. Uh, he ended up bringing me on. And that was where I got the start. It was a, a company called SIBO Marketing. And really? I learned search engine optimization, building websites and Google ads. They called it Google AdWords back, back yep. then. 
And yep. that was really my start. It was like that agency atmosphere. Awesome. Awesome. So, and then, and then you moved into some other companies. Cause I mean, is the, the thing that I've learned over the past year is that Salt Lake city has a, a long history of, of digital marketing companies and software companies, which you wouldn't think of unless you were, were around there. Yeah. And it was so interesting. The next company I went to was called orangesoda.com. Yeah. And you ask anyone in digital marketing, uh, orangesoda.com and seo.com. Uh, yeah. Both of those were here local to us and they really, um, they, they really kicked off a big digital marketing boom. And yeah. uh, you can see this banner behind me on, on the camera. Uh, this is for the Utah Digital Marketing Collective. I'm yeah. on the board of it. It's a nonprofit that like, you know, we get together and, and um, we bring in a speaker to come and teach us about some element of digital marketing. Uh, it is, there's a whole bunch of these kinds of organizations across the country, little yeah. digital marketing professional orgs. Um, but it's so funny. The, the one here in Salt Lake is the largest and most active of all of them. And wow. I mean, it started with orange soda and seo.com and you know, I yeah. had an offer from seo.com ended up working for orange soda and got to see at least a lot of it from the, the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's something because, you know, looking at things today and, and this year, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not familiar with LinkedIn and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking that, but I know on the Google side, the, the paid AdWord space in Google changed so much from February to June or so, and then through the rest of the year that it's like it's a different world. Yeah. It's a different world because everybody decided all of a sudden that they didn't want to buy any AdWords in March, and then everybody said, I have to buy double the AdWords in June. <laughs> and, and the price went, you know, went to dirt cheap to 400% of what it was before. And, and, you know, all these people that have been counting on uh, pay-per-click on Google, because let's be honest, that's what a lot of people didn't invest in the SEO and content development on the backside and wanted to do pay-per-click and, and thought that was the, the panacea, what they were, you know, going to keep them forever. Like it, you know, before Google added all the other ad spaces on their page and stuff like some of those people got caught in that years ago. Yeah. This just put them out of being competitive with what they're selling uh, and their advertising dollars. So it uh, the um, the thing that I think is people have to realize is that these are fluid and they're, they're never it's it's all it's in it's interesting how that works. But let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn, because I mean, I've never I know that LinkedIn has pay-per-click advertising. I don't know how it works that well, but I, you know, I'm familiar with Facebook a little bit, Google a fair amount, but so what drew you into LinkedIn rather than Google or Facebook or Amazon or something like that? Well, it's funny. I started out, um, you know, in really heavy Google and uh, I went to work at my most recent company. So I went to a company called domo.com. Yeah. And they're a business to business. They're now public, but uh, they, they weren't back when I was working for them. And I got brought in to run all of their digital marketing. And on my very first day, I'm talking to my new boss, the CMO, and I laid out all of the different marketing channels and the strategies I wanted to pursue. And I remember her saying, oh, yeah, great. Go ahead and, and execute. Uh, but just so you know, we started a pilot two weeks ago with LinkedIn ads. So see what you can do with that. And I saluted and said, yes, ma'am, absolutely. And went kind of walked out of her office going, 
I've never heard of LinkedIn ads. Like, yeah. what, you know, what's this going to be like? Um, I didn't want to look stupid to my new boss. So I jumped in, yeah. started yeah. playing with the platform. And within a couple weeks, I had a sales rep who came up to me and said, AJ, we don't know what you're doing, but we're fighting over your leads here. Keep it up. And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. So I went and looked at the leads and every single one uh, that he was mentioning was coming from LinkedIn. And that was not the only ad channel I was running. So wow. long story short, ended up just continuing to grow and grow and grow and invest in the platform, uh, learning more about it and learning all the, the tricks and everything until I took it to become LinkedIn's largest spending ads account at the time. Yeah. And after about two and a half years of running that, I went, okay, this is cool. No one else is talking about this platform, but it's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's a great story, dude. That that's awesome because you, it was like literally when they started LinkedIn ads, they had just start Domo had started working with them a little bit. And then you took it from that to the biggest LinkedIn ad account. Yeah, it was cool. And I still use a lot of the same strategies and techniques that I, I used back then. Uh, they've been refined quite a bit, but yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah, no doubt. That's a heck of a learning experience. And, and to be able to start at that point and understand and be able to then grow with it and understand the transitions, because the one thing that we've seen in clients when we're helping e-commerce clients is, is that, you know, Google ads are at you know, $1,000 or $10,000 a month is much different than $100,000 a month. And, oh, and when you when you go through those transition spots, just like growing a business, you get to a certain pay, you got to re, redo it and change what you're doing. Yes. I'm assuming that LinkedIn did that. Your, your management of LinkedIn had to evolve as the spend got bigger, the campaigns got more, the targeting got more focused and those kind of things. Yeah. Back when I first started, there was only one kind of ad format you could use. And it was, yeah. this, uh, it's called text ads. We still use quite a few of them, but they now have three others and, uh, and have probably 10 more ways to target people. So it just gets more and more detailed. And I am glad I have the historical context so I can yeah. know yeah. where the new stuff fits in. What's that? And then I can at least know where the, all the new stuff fits in. Yeah. I've yeah. Seen exactly. the historical. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's cool as heck. It's because, um, a, I, I don't see, I mean, the other thing had to be kind of quite honestly is it's kind of a unique space. Yeah. What I'll tell you is so, so cool about it is, you know, I come from that Google world, the, the yeah. world that you understand, obviously a lot yeah. of done a lot of Facebook. Um, and what I found is all those other platforms, they really ignore and kind of turn their back on, on the business to business marketers yeah. and business to business. I mean, we can hack Facebook to make it work um, at really small scale. Google, you just kind of go after keywords and hope they they don't get too expensive. But yeah. LinkedIn, it's the only platform that really caters to, you know, this really minute targeting ability, but it yeah. was never widely adopted because, you know, Facebook started out at, uh, you know, they were charging less than a cent per click uh, yeah. starting out. Google from the very beginning had a five cent floor. So as long as you were willing to bid five cents, you could get traffic. LinkedIn, when they started, had a floor of $2. So they've yeah. always been expensive. And you know now they're several times more expensive than, yeah. than Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's why I'm just writing some notes here, but that's, that's pretty cool though, because, you know, they have, they have a, an, an audience like no other for the B2B market though. 
Oh yeah. Especially for those like the uh the higher deal size types of deals. Yeah. Um if you advertise on Google, you can't um uh, you can't pick and choose from all the people typing keywords like who has uh, who represents a large enough company or who has the authority. You just kind of get whatever traffic comes. But on LinkedIn, you can say, "Hey, I only want to target this title and they've got to be you know, manager and above or director and above at a company with more than 500 people. So it's, it's great for, especially wow. those higher tickets where you just couldn't reach them effectively anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're selling an ERP system into, you know, a hundred million dollar plus manufacturing companies or whatever distribution companies you, you can target the, the, whatever the CTO at those companies or something like that. And you're not wasting clicks on, on you know me down the street that has a little warehouse with you know ten thousand square feet. Exactly. Ah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's that's really something because the the do you see what kind of conversion rates do you see on a good campaign in in uh, LinkedIn advertising? Yeah, it depends on the approach. If your approach is, uh, and I think everyone tries this at least once pushing someone right to a, Hey, here's what we do. Click here to talk to a sales rep or get a demo. Cool. Um, <laughs> it, it's a little bit too much too soon yeah, for, yeah, for yeah, most. Yeah. Um, and if you do that, you'll end up with like a one and a half to 4% conversion rate. Yeah. But if you lead with value first, like here's a, you know, come join this webinar or download this ebook or free checklist or cheat sheet. Um, if, if it's a really good offer, then it's going to convert it over 15%. So you'll end up usually between about forty to eighty dollars per opt-in, and for access to this high, high-quality, super, you know, VIP kind of audience, then you know, uh, most can make this work. For the smaller companies or smaller deal sizes, like LinkedIn ads, might be too expensive. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you're if you're a, if you are if you're selling a high-ticket item, though. 40 or 80 bucks to get somebody into a, a, you know, 75 bucks to get somebody to set in your webinar that you think you've developed a really nice webinar that's going to give them good value and show them why you're the one that can get them from point A to point B. That's a hell of a thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's why when advertisers go, Ooh, LinkedIn ads are too expensive. It's like, well, yeah, if your deal size is too low or your funnels aren't very efficient. Yeah. LinkedIn ads are going to be really expensive. Yeah. If you're really buttoned up, then this will be the best traffic you'll get. And you'll see a much higher return on investment there than you could with all the lower quality leads that you'd get from Facebook or Google. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, that's really cool. So when you see people, so you're going to create this LinkedIn, uh, uh, LinkedIn campaign, pay-per-click campaign on LinkedIn, you're going to get these people there. What do you see the biggest problem that people have once they've got them? Um, do you mean once they once they've gotten the user to click? Or yeah, once they've, they've got the user to, to click. They they and then it just doesn't go anywhere. Do you see that? That's people go. Oh, if I just get them to click, that and they really haven't thought about it after that. That's what I'm kind of asking. And yeah, I, we find that the role that sales plays is just as important as good campaign management because yeah. we've had clients where we just absolutely slay for them like we're getting them the lowest cost per lead out there and the highest quality leads but if their sales team isn't buttoned up and like they drop everything or refuse to call or or like follow yeah. up on the leads then 
it makes all of our efforts look bad. And we yeah. have some who have a really good sales process. And even if their content isn't very good, for instance, they're still way in the green. So, okay. um, yeah. Yeah. Sales follow up. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. So the, it, yeah, don't try it without getting, having a good sales process. Yeah. 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 Know, know your metrics, like be able to track them. That's you know, really where uh, if you compare LinkedIn's cost per lead with Google or Facebook, it's usually going to look significantly higher. Yeah. But because the, the quality of the lead is so much better, if you track down to like a sales qualified lead or a cost per yeah. proposal, that's when LinkedIn all of a sudden really starts to shine. So make sure you have a CRM in place and a, a sales team that's, you know, pushing people towards those later stages. Yeah. That way you'll be able to tell it's working. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Nick, Nick was commenting on, he's, there's uh, several people here that are commenting back and forth. Nick and Robert and Ira were talking about, you know, building the, the platform on LinkedIn. We've got, these guys are, 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 are pretty well established on some of the platforms and, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's amazing what you can do on LinkedIn, even from the free side without, if you do that right. And then uh, I'd imagine too, that you run into clients. Um, let's back up a step. Does it help when you're going to do a LinkedIn paid ad campaign if someone is already somewhat active on LinkedIn? So say I'm 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 the the company I'm gonna do it. My company's gonna do it. And if if they can come and see that our company is posting relevant content or we have you know videos like this that's relevant to our audience, does that really seem to help the the process or or do you think it really doesn't matter much? Uh, it can. So the big dichotomy here is um, you have what's done on the company's page and then what you do on your personal profile. Yeah. Both can post, both can interact. And so uh, all of your ads are going to come from the company profile. So, okay. so someone who you're advertising to, they're not going to know, they won't be able to link to or see your personal yeah. profile unless you call their attention towards it. Yeah. Um, so what you're doing personally, uh, Although LinkedIn organically from personal profiles is like, it's amazing right now. It's the easiest network yeah. in the world to go viral on, um, yeah. but it won't help your ad efforts unless you're also working with the company page and okay. getting followers up and posting good content there. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to be posting good content on your company page and getting the follower count up to be able to really maximize the, the pay-per-click campaigns if you want to. Yeah. Okay. It's, like on the personal side when you get your your number of connections over over 500 it just says you know 500 plus it's kind of a an implicit endorsement that you're well connected that you're you're active um, yeah. same thing with a company page if you see a company page with like i don't know uh less than let's say 300 followers or something you're like oh they're probably not taking this all too seriously so if you can get those follower counts up so it's more social proof yeah. So what do you think if someone, this is a good question because we see this a lot. I mean, I go to some big companies and they got a hundred followers, 150 yeah. followers. And then, you know, we got some, some small companies got 10,000. So what is, what is a reasonable number that you think if you're, if you're in, in business that you should have? Um, oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I, I think it, does depend on your company size. Oh yeah if, you, yeah. if you are a big company, like I do, I expect you to have a lot of followers to show that I'm on the right page and that you're legit. This isn't, you know, yeah. hijacked somewhere along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, give me a name of a company. I'll look it up. We'll see. Cause it's surprising. It's surprising. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm always surprised by this. Uh, look at 
try something like IBM because I know okay. IBM probably has a whole bunch of pages. Yeah, IBM. I'm sure they've got a huge one, but yeah, IBM, big. Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm sure they've got millions. Yeah, 9.7 million. Yeah, so, there we go. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's pretty crazy. But then, but then you know, I I can't, I can't remember. I should have wrote, wrote it down. But I looked at one the other day, and it was like it was a, it was a, a a billion dollar like company, and it had like a thousand. And I was like, <sighs> what what are they doing? So they're yeah. just not not doing anything, I guess, on here. Yeah. So, one of the best things that you can do for your company page is every admin of your company page can invite up to a hundred people to follow the company page, and it comes across like a um like a connection request it says aj wilcox wants you to follow b2 linked um and all you have yeah. to do is just click the button and do it um so, so yeah if you have a lot admin, of employees every yeah. admin gets 100 yeah and it might even be uh more than that you, you might not even need to be full admin to get it it might just be any oh. employee but yeah everyone who has employees but i didn't realize it was for every admin because man i'd be adding like three or four more admins everybody yes. yeah exactly yeah. that's the way yeah. to do it that's a great that's a great point because if if people aren't using the 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 right techniques i mean it's hard to grow your company following oh it is yeah especially cuz when you post something from a personal profile it gets 10 times the engagement as yeah. if you post something from the company so of course and i'm guilty of this as well like well why would i post something to my company page if it's going to get yeah. 10 times the eyes personally yeah. but yeah it it is yeah. valuable to milk both of them yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So what do you think the biggest thing you've learned in 2020 about, you know, paid advertising in general and, and the LinkedIn game? Ooh, I, you know, we did this study um, right, I think it was in July or August, where we looked back through all of our data and found what happened uh, to prices every day uh, up until then. And like you mentioned before with Google, we saw something very similar where, you know, March budgets were okay. And then they just tanked in April. And as they did, the costs went way down too, because it's all competition based. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if we would have known, wow, you know, uh, it, it costs, you know, 40% less right now to buy a, a LinkedIn ad. This is great. Like we could have had people go all in, but by the time I did the research in August, um, we had come back up and only one of the four ad formats was still cheaper. The others were more expensive. So oh, it was yeah. like, if you're looking for a discount, it, it's, it's now gone since so many people said, well, you know, we still need leads as a company. Life hasn't gone back to normal, but we got to go back to advertising. Yeah. 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 That's, that's cool to, to understand that. And I forgot to say your company is B2 linked, right? Yeah. 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 You've had it for you've been in a while. It's six years. I mean, I, there's there are a lot of people that that you know you'll see there. I'm sorry, but they, they I always I pick on coaches, and I don't want to, because I I I do a fair amount of, of business coaching myself uh, to some of our clients. But man, you see a coach that's they've been in it for ten months. It's like okay, come on, really, you just made a career change whether it was planned or not. And exactly. And yeah. But you've been in it six years. So you've been in this game a while. And when you consider Domo ahead of that, you've been, you've been doing LinkedIn ads for a while. Yeah. And it's funny because I have ADHD. Like I, I've never been able to buckle down to anything. The longest I ever stayed at a job was like two and a half years at Domo. And yeah. so I thought, okay, I'm going to start this company, but how long until I get bored? Well, 
we're six years in. I'm still not bored. I'm still excited every day to come into work. So uh, I, I'm at least in for the foreseeable future. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I see they got some guitars hanging in the back there. So are you a guitar player? Uh, I, really badly, I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just intensely love music. I, I grew up playing piano. Um, I play drums, guitar, bass, anything I can get my hands on, I play really terribly. <laughs> Yeah. And so my, my goal is you know, when I, uh, when I eventually retire or at least can like step away part-time, the yeah. first thing I'm going to do is just take a bunch of music lessons. Uh, cause that stuff just fuels my brain. But, uh, for, as for right now, I'm taking guitar lessons and, uh, learning to play some pop punk songs that I loved from high school. There you go. That's kind of sounds, my son does it too. He's, he's taught himself how to play over the last few years and he's actually getting pretty good and cool. he's in college yet. So he still has the time to do it. Not oh, like, yeah. not like you, where you, you actually got to work, make money and do that kind of stuff too. But yeah, well, that's cool. Cause it, it is, I tell you, the, the, the thing that I've really found and especially over the past, I don't know, 10 years or so is that the, the amount of extracurricular activities and the intensity at which you do them allows you to do better at work. And I, yes. and I, say that is as and i've always kind of done this like you're saying guitars i mean i i uh, uh amateur but i was an amateur wakeboarder in competitions until i was damn near 40 until i wrecked my back you know and then before that i was i was you know i did i played uh two-man sand volleyball for 15 years and and those wow. kind of things because it's it's just that kind of uh fun and camaraderie and stuff i think allows you to really blow that steam off that you build in business and then and you know come back with the intensity that you you need to really to, to drive the success because you know i gotta imagine your business you know didn't start with with a bunch of clients and you had to build from from zero and and that's a that's a challenge in the beginning absolutely you know yeah. when we hire the, i figure i can teach anyone in the world i could teach a monkey how to run linkedin ads that's not the challenge but what I need is someone who's driven and motivated and excited. And the only analogy I can find uh, for when I'm asking questions in hiring, I ask them, well, what do you do on the side? What are your pet projects you're working yeah. on? And I find that when someone has a pet project, one of our employees, he's writing a graphic novel on the side and another loves like programming in Excel to make his, his family budget better. Like all of these, it doesn't matter yeah. if it's related to advertising or not. It shows that, like you have passion and follow through and you're probably going to learn extra quick and you're who I want on the team. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I think you're right. And, and it's, it shows that, that people, it, yeah. Cause if they have passion about something, that's the start. Cause you, yeah. you gotta see, cause there's some people that just don't naturally have that. And people that do it's, it's, it's really fun to, to see them because that diverse diversity in those businesses is really what's makes it successful. Like you said, just think of the diversity in the minds between someone that's doing a graphical novel and someone that's doing the Excel programming, like you said, and how that, when they come together, they make the, the solutions become much better. Yeah. And they both are so much able to solve different problems and teach yeah. each other. Like, yeah, yeah. Th that was a good example. Cause they, these two work really well together. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And you talked a little bit about, about exotic cars. Yeah. So, so this is a question. I mean, I'm an old car guy, but you're an exotic car guy. So what is your favorite exotic car? You could just pick oh. one and go, oh, this is the one I want. 
All okay, right, so let's just say for daily driver first. We'll start daily driver first. Okay, I, I like this line of questioning. Uh, it's not it's not new anymore, so I'd have to buy it pre-owned. But the yeah. Aston Martin DB9 is by far my favorite car ever, <laughs> and uh, the DB11 they replaced it with I don't think is quite as pretty. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, Aston Martin. They're nice. That's that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Okay, so now you're going to go into the. To, you're not going to go into the Bugatti. They're not going to yeah. go there. Yeah. But you're you're kind of you're kind of into the the affordable above the Aston Martin kind of car. What are you going to go to there? A fast car. Ooh, um, it's actually around the same price. Uh, but it's the Acura NSX, the new oh, one. Yeah, yeah. I love the old one too, but. Same price pretty much as, as an Aston yep, Martin, it but it's much yep. more track focused, much less comfy for daily driver, but yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Same questions for you. Like even, even in classics, I want to hear what your taste is. Oh, I, 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 I want a 68 Chevy Impala. And then just because that was, that was, I had my first car was a, a 68 Pontiac Catalina and you really can't find a two door, two door uh, convertible is what I want, but. I, I don't I don't have it yet, but just because that's what it was, I would like that. It comes with a 400 small block, and you can fix them up really nice. And and uh, I would have to have the air ride and, and think I would I would have a lot of fun with it. Uh, there's some people in your area that would fix it really nicely too. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that and then I would I would probably want a a tricked out International Scout. Oh, that would be that, cool. That would be my other car. I think a I, real no, off-roader. Yeah, yeah. Just something that, you know, doesn't go over about 45 miles an hour. I don't, it doesn't have to be a rock crawler. I just want it to be able to, yeah, that's, those are two I'd, I'd probably like. Yes. And, uh, you know, and in the drivers, I'm simple. I'm simple for the drivers. You, you know, I like big vehicles. I'd get an Escalade. That's, that's just a, they're, they're smooth. They're, you know. I grew up, I'm I'm a Midwest guy. That's what I, you know, four wheel drive. Give me something that drives smooth and I'm good. So, oh yeah. It's not going to shake you around every time you drive. No, no, (laughs) no. But I tell you, I can, I can still remember the first day that I ever saw uh, an F40, a Ferrari F40 in in (sighs) person in Italy, in the showroom. And then I was 25 and I was walking, I was actually there um, hitchhiking kind of across Europe with some people. And, and, uh, I said, you know, here I am from the Dakotas. And I said, this is a damn Ferrari dealership. I've never seen one. So I walk in and I'm just like, well, now it's hanging open. I saw them in posters before. And I can still remember the salesperson. I asked him, can I take a picture? Uh, and my Italian was horrible. He was like, yeah, yeah, kid, get it done and get the hell out of here. You know, so, <laughs> we got real customers to service. Yeah, yeah, real customers. So it's not going to drool on the car. You know, but yeah, it's, it's the, the exotic cars that they're really something. And, and when you look at some of these other ones that, um, you know, Bugatti is just crazy. That one's off the, you know, but just some of the technology in them now is insane. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you got to see the F40. That's one of the most rare cars. I, I've seen one in person and it was a near religious experience. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, you, you, you know, cars and you see that when you go, Oh my God. Yeah. I may never see that again in my life. Yep. And you know, when people like, I don't, I don't know that Jay Leno has one probably. I don't know. He doesn't. Uh, cause I, cause I mean, they, they are super, super, super rare. And, and just to see one and then new in the showroom like that, that was years ago, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, it's good stuff. So, um, 
the uh, so what do you think in the LinkedIn market that if people are considering this, what are some of the better things? You know, so I'm in this company and and I might want to consider it. What do you think are some of the better companies that are the better industries and things like that that really work well with with LinkedIn marketing? Well, yeah, the, the way I break it down is um, it doesn't matter whether you're a product or a service. Um, whether you're doing lead gen, uh, e-commerce doesn't work very well, but um, yeah. pretty much everything else, like if you have a high lifetime value and a specific kind of person that you need to get in front of, then LinkedIn's going to work. I, I tell people if your lifetime value is over like 10 or 15 K, then it's a total no brainer. Like you gotta be doing LinkedIn. Really? And yeah, and like we talked about earlier, if your approach is I wanna push you right to a, a demo or to talk to sales, uh, chances are like 95% of the time you're going to fail. But if you can approach with something really valuable that you're bringing your audience that they really care about, then you'll be successful. Even if you have a misspelling in your ads and you know, if you could do all kinds of stuff wrong, but a good offer will cover a multitude of sins. All right. That's cool to know. That's cool to know because I, I think that, well, obviously there's, there's a lot of companies that are, are trying to find their way they're trying to find their way because they've gone for how many months now where they can't freely roam and meet people move across the United States and, and uh, those kind of things. And they're, they're struggling to find different ways to do this. And I think one of the interesting things that I think, and you brought this up is, is really how a, a medium like LinkedIn pay-per-click advertising could feed into a traditional sales force that, maybe no longer is going out and meeting with quite as many people, but they find interested people that have found them through the pay-per-click. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, it, the role changes a little bit. I was actually thinking about this the other day and, and thinking about how this all could, the hybrid of, of video, the hybrid of, of, of digital inbound marketing or pay-per-click, uh, how that would change if you could really get your leads coming to you because again, like people want to be sold to, they don't are not they don't want to be sold to. They want to buy from the people that they've they've figured out basically that are the ones they want to buy from. And how does that really make your sales force change? And can you come up with an effective one like that? I don't know, this is a long-winded story, but I was just thinking about that because I really, as I as I was thinking about us talking and and things, and then the way LinkedIn works, that. I, I'm really wondering if we're going to find a hybrid of, of the traditional sales force that's integrated digitally now that, uh, you know, they, they're going to get a certain portion of their leads anyway that comes from digital inbound of, of whatever method and their role is going to change a little bit. <laughs> I can't tell you how many companies came to us, you know, in just the last few months saying we used to spend 100% of our marketing budget going to trade shows and having a booth and traveling our, our whole sales staff. And now because getting together in person isn't a thing anymore, I guess we have to go digital. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you're, you just learned what all of us have been, you know, learning this last, you know, 10, 15 years is that digital is not going away and find the opportunities now because your competitor will find them tomorrow. <laughs> so well, get in before they do. that's, 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 that's as wise as I got to write that down. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, because it's right. It's right. Cause really you're going to, what, what, what can happen in this? And, and I, I, I think anyway, is you can have a company that's half your size 
and I'm talking, we're talking a hundred million dollar company and a $50 million or $20 million company. And that $20 million company figures this out. And the next day, next day, but a year later, that hundred million dollar company, which they were setting back fat and happy. We got our big cut clients that are still buying from us. And what happens is that $20 million company figured out this digital method. They're figuring out, they're refining, they're getting better. They're doing the pay-per-click and pretty soon they're $70 million. And that $100 million company is still a $100 million company and they don't know how to get to 150. And the other yes. one goes, we know, and we're going. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to switch places here. Pretty yeah, good. Like... We're going to flip-flop, you know, and that's, yep. that, that's the thing. And I think is happening. And to the, like you said, these companies coming to you, at least they're coming to you and identifying it because it, it, it really, I think there's a fundamental shift that's been made this year that that's not going to change especially when you consider a company gets to a certain size and the geography that a salesperson is covering and the effectiveness they can have using more digital methods. Oh yeah. The, the one to many is so much more uh, efficient. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, what I like, I'm just like the story you told earlier about uh, Google ads, all of a sudden prices shoot way up. And if that's your only ad channel, you're bankrupt. Like it's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's a bad, bad situation. But when you're diversified ac across a whole bunch, when Google's prices shoot up, yeah, it sucks. Like you just took a hit, but you can continue investing in your Facebook and LinkedIn yeah. and Twitter yeah. and whatever. And it's, you're not bankrupt. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. This is interesting stuff, AJ. I just, cause I, I really believe I, I LinkedIn in a platform, I think is just a, first of all, if you're doing business to business, it's, it's, like you said, Facebook, you can kind of piece it together at low, yeah. low scale, but uh, LinkedIn is the place where you can do volume uh, and, and with the right people. And yeah. that, that's pretty cool. But I really, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the integration of the, the, in these larger companies with the traditional sales and the, and the digital methods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all going to be forced to catch up real quick if we haven't already. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might as well give well, in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you're seeing companies come to you that are going with the trade shows. I know some, you know, we, we do a fair amount of virtual events. I know some other people that, that actually turn us on to the platform that we use and they are doing virtual trade shows too, which, which even takes us to a different level uh, on that part of the trade show world. But uh, yeah, there's no doubt that, that 2020 has kind of, forced us to leapfrog a few years in this stuff. Oh yeah. And I hope this doesn't happen again, but you know, it's totally possible that, that there, that this is not the last pandemic that we'll yeah. see in our yeah. lifetimes. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, I'm grateful to be alive right now because if you would have told me 20 years later, like, Hey, there was this time when the whole world shut down for a year, year and a half, I wouldn't have believed you. So this is fun to experience. Yeah. But also like it, it's, uh, I don't want to, um, belittle anyone who's gotten yeah. really sick or died or lost. Anyone. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I think of this as a warning shot. If, um, if, you know, something like COVID, uh, that was not ultra devastating, uh, gets us in the right, the right mindset to, um, to engineer and, and, and run our companies the right way, because we, you know, we've lived yeah. through this, we know how to, yeah. how to diversify. Um, I, I think it puts us in a really good spot in case, future something else happens again well you're right you're right i mean and it and this is it goes back to as simple as this if it doesn't kill you it's going to make you stronger exactly and
that's as, as simple as that because you are right. These changes, this digital change, and, and I've been harping on this for years with people, this digital change was happening 10 years ago to a certain extent. Five years ago, it was picking up steam. Last year, it was, it was even more steam. And, and it would have continued on, but it takes an event like this year to, to force people to see it because they, the traditional methods are, are no longer, I think. Yeah. And it just showed that there, there are some other, other ways to do it. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate incident, but man, I tell you what, I, I, can, I can point to a lot of people that have had really bad situations with it and a lot of people that have really good situations. And the thing that's encouraging now, I think, is to see uh, we talk to people like you that, you know, there's good things happening. And then you see some of the new entrepreneurial things that are springing up that people are doing that are they're really interesting. I mean, even in the restaurant industry now, you see in these restaurants that are no longer the come in and dine kind of restaurants, but they're specifically set up for takeout. They're a wonderful yeah. takeout restaurant. And uh, just they're, just all these kind of things that are happening that, that were forced by it. It's, it's yes, there's a ton of bad, but it's not all bad. Yeah. Damon, I'm glad you have the show because you said it way more eloquently than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 fun and it and and I love talking with with people like yourself. You got such great energy, AJ. It, 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 man, it's just a feed off it, dude. And it and it's so good. But uh uh I just I, I'm so grateful. I mean, in our last the last show of 2020. Getting someone on like you that, you know, on LinkedIn, which is a LinkedIn is my favorite platform, man. I, I just got to say it. And and uh, because uh, I'm, that's where my tribe lives. That's what I do. It's, and it's a lot of fun. And and uh, and getting to learn from you on this is is awesome. So I appreciate you stopping by today and and dropping a little bit of knowledge on us. I look forward to seeing you in 2021 and, and uh, talking more about this and and uh you know maybe giving us an update sometime about what you see and and uh, just what's working and what's not awesome damon it's been so much fun jamming with you and absolutely have me back for a round two any day you bet you bet well everyone out there we're going to be just signing off here i said linkedin uh, linkedin nick says he's got to go and we got to go as well so from the exuary live with aj wilcox at b2 linked check him out on where and where do they get a hold of you? Where's the best place to get a hold of you? I uh, if you fill out the form on any page of b2links.com, yeah, you'll, you you'll get to me uh, or on LinkedIn. Just make sure you customize the message and say, I heard John Damon's show. Then I'll yeah. know to make sure I accept it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, AJ. Thanks, everyone else. We're out from Exit Your Way Live, the final show of 2020, but we're back in 2021. We're already booked through, I think, February. We got lots of fun planned. See you later. Happy holidays.